Y'all got what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> that's, that's the redneck version of an unhappy marriage. <laughs> so, but the home is a difficult subject to address because folks don't like to be told how to do things. Uh, <clears throat> right? Now, I don't mind being told sometimes according to who's telling me. All right? Uh, oh, that's right. Y'all go to children's church. I got ahead of myself, didn't I? You see how nervous I am about this? <laughs> I don't like to be told what to do, but I get told what to do a lot. And uh, I've got to where I sort of endure it and go on and receive from it. I learn. And every time I preach these kind of things, I learn from it. And and I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't. And and our goal is not to try to throw you a bunch of information, but give you things you can glean from to learn. So we talked about the home and different aspects of that. Last week we talked about children, and Ginger gave a, a real good devotion about how important it is for us to be close to our children and to to train them and bring them along like they should and let them know every day that we love them. But this month, as we told you, we're going to be talking about finances. We're going to be talking about money, okay? And somebody, I heard, I've heard this time and time again. Well, all they want down there at that church is money. Well, uh, every place I go has to do with money. I drove, I drove for an hour and ten minutes yesterday to a ball game. And do you know that before I could get in that thing, they wanted money? And I walked up to the concession stand to get me a cup of coffee, and they didn't make no bones about saying it would be a dollar. They wanted money. Now, church is not about money. One thing that we need to realize is God invented giving. It was not invented by some poor old broke preacher that was begging for money or some TV evangelist. Now, we get that attitude. And here's another thing that we need to learn about giving. Giving is not just about money. Most of the time, whenever we say giving, we say increase. To so many people, we've got to point to where we see dollar signs come in our mind. Now, you know, you think, uh, just, just let me use something for an example here. So you work on your job eight hours and you get paid a certain amount of money. So the boss comes to you and says, look, we can't pay you any more money an hour, but what we're going to do is cut your hours back and pay you the same amount of money. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? All do y'all want that job? Well, it's not pastoring. But anyway, <laughs> but we, we get this thing, everything, if it's an increase, if that's said, given said, then we think about money. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Money's involved in that. And we need to realize that it is. But I know, I know there's a nerve about money in the body of Christ. Now, I will say this. We've got some folks in our church that give. They give, I believe, sacrificially. And, and so our preaching today is to encourage you that are giving to continue giving and, and to understand why we do this but also to encourage you that are not giving, that are not tithing and coming along as the Word of God says, to pray about this thing and begin to come under this. Because, folks, when, when we begin to talk about giving, giving is God's will. Giving is a pattern that God established. 
For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. See, He made a man and gave him a garden. And, and then from that garden, He gave him dominion over the whole earth. And then when man lost that, God called a man and gave him a name, gave him a blessing. Then he, from that man came a nation, and God gave them inheritance. God's a giving God. And giving, you can't separate giving from God. And so when we, when we begin to think about giving and realize that God invented giving, but God did not invent giving for Him, but for us. Now, if we think that God can't get His gospel around this earth, without our little money, then we're in bad shape. And you say, well, why do we give it? Because this is the plan that God set down to do this with. See, this is God's plan. You, and I've said to you many times, if something won't work God's way, then it won't work. And we see lives getting mixed up and, and trouble coming into people's lives so many times because we want to do it our way instead of doing it God's way. See, God invented giving not for His sake, but for our sake. And he set down this principle that says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Now that's the principle we see all through the Bible. God gave Jesus with the, with the understanding that from him giving Jesus as a seed into this earth that was planted in death and then resurrected, that he was going to bring many sons into redemption. God gave Jesus for the redemption of mankind, and out of that reap billions of souls that's going to be in heaven. Think about that. So, folks, God, God invented giving for us and not for Him. Now, here, here's something that we're going, to, we're going to answer. Here's a question that people have a lot of times about giving. Well, there's a lot of questions, but we're going to, we're going to answer one of them today, okay? One question is, if I give, can I expect to receive? Now, a lot of folks ask that question. And I believe that answer to that has been abused to the point to where we've shifted our attention from the giving to the receiving. And can I tell you, when it comes to the things of God, there's no receiving without first giving. And we need to understand that, that we need to give. And Paul evidently heard Jesus say this somewhere or another because Paul said, even as our Lord has said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, now I want to tell you, it's okay to receive. Understand that. It's okay to receive. But our faith should not be in the receiving. Our faith should be in the giving, and receiving always follows giving. Just like a farmer. Can you imagine a farmer saying, well, I'm going to plant this crop, but, you know, it's okay if it don't come up, if I don't get nothing, because I'm just not planting to get anything back. That's frivolous thought, isn't it? Well, all through the, the New Testament and Jesus' teaching, He teaches this, over, this principle over and over again. He said, a sower went out to sow, a farmer went out to sow. Now, the first aspect of it, he didn't receive nothing because he didn't sow in the right place. The right thing. He sowed by the wayside. The fowls came and devoured it, and he didn't get anything. And then the next aspect of it, he sowed on stony ground. He got a little harvest, but it didn't last because the sun came out and it withered away. And then he really wasn't paying his attention as he needed to because the next time he sowed, there was a harvest. There was something came up, but it got choked down by the briars and the, the thistles. 
But then in the fourth aspect of that, the fourth scenario of it, he sowed on good ground, and because he sowed on good ground, he brought forth a harvest. And he said some of it 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So, folks, there's nothing wrong with me saying I'm a giver, and I believe that I receive my needs met because I'm a giver. But if I'm giving, listen, we all got to understand this. God's plan of prosperity is not an overnight get rich scheme. Okay? It's not giving $100 today and believing and thinking that, well, God's going to give me, you know, a hundredfold return. I give a hundred, a hundred plus, a hundred thousand dollars. I ought to get that in a couple of weeks. It's not a lottery. It's not even a bingo game. Okay? It's a way of life that God has set down that once we get into it, we live increase, blessing, life. And this is what God wants to do for us. You say, well, well, God, God's an omnipotent God. He's almighty. And He can just bless me if He wants to. Well, that's true. But then God has set down some perimeters in His Word that said, here's a way for these things to work and function in your life. When we get involved in God's financial plan, God will get involved in our financial arrangements. So, with that said, that was a whole lot said, wasn't it? Matthew chapter 6. We want to look here first. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. 19 through 21. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, folks, I want, to, I want you to understand something. Our main thought for today is that giving is a heart issue. It comes down to that. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. And just just give you an example. I don't know how many of you do anything on, in stocks. I, I, I don't. But I, I know a lot of folks that do. But just take this for example. Say like you have $5,000, and tomorrow you decide to put that in the stock market. And you put that in the stock market. Every day, chances are from that point on, you're going to get on the Internet and see how that stock's doing. You're going to watch little crawlies across the bottom of the news to see if your stock is up or down. Why? Because that's where your treasure is. And so your heart went into that. There's nothing wrong with having savings, not, and there's nothing wrong with having stocks. Don't, that's not what I'm saying is this. But here's the thing about it. If we want to see more of the kingdom of God in our life, then we need to put our heart into it more than what we do. And the way, one way that we assure ourselves that our heart is going to come into right line with God is by giving. Now, not, again, not giving money as such, but that's part of it. But giving of our time. Given of our abilities, given of ourself, you know, given of our resources, given love, given good things. In Galatians, well, let me read this verse in Luke 6. I, I'm about to get ahead of myself. So I'm trying to figure out how to put this 15-minute sermon in an hour and a half. That's different. Most preachers, they try to put an hour and a half sermon in 15 minutes, right? We'll get there. Everybody say, we'll get there. 
In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you give, with all it shall be measured to you again. Now, one thing I want you to notice, it didn't specify just money. We use that a lot for money. Why do we do? Because there's a principle here. And the principle is, give and it shall be given unto you. Now, he's talking about judging. He's talking about condemning. He's talking about forgiving. He's talking about things that have to do so much with relationships with one another. If I judge you, then I stand open for judging to come to me in a way I don't like. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But if I love you and show my love toward you in that godly manner, then I, I believe that love in that same way is going to come back to me Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run over. Because what you give, you're going to get back. Here's a principle that you might want to write this down. A principle is you reap what you sow. So I've heard that all my life. Well, I know. But it's the truth, isn't it? You think back over it. You reap what you sow. In Galatians chapter 6, Verses 7 through 9, he says, Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man, woman, boy or girl, sows, that shall he also reap. For if you, uh, he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting, and let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not, if we don't give up. So here's a principle. You reap what you sow, and it's a sure harvest. You sow hate, you're going to get hate. You sow love, you're going to get love. You sow kindness, and kindness is going to come back to you. Whatever you give out from you is going to come back. You give out a bad attitude, I guarantee you before, before you go too far, somebody with a bad attitude is going to get in your way. And you know what's going to happen? Both of you is going to make each other's attitude worse than what it was. Because here's something else. You don't only reap what you sow, but like the farmer planting the corn. So he plants one grain of corn. He gets the stalk with at least two heirs. It's got hundreds of grain on there. Some 30, some 60, and some 100. So if we sow good, then we, can, we should expect an abundance of good to come back to us. If we sow big, we should expect an abundance of big to come back to us. If we sow generous, then we should see that generosity comes to us. Or if, if, and here's the thing about it. If we sow bad, we're going to get bad. If we sow little, we're going to get little. And if we sow selfishness, we're going to get selfishness. So what we give, we receive. Good measure, pressed down, do, and together, and running over, giving more than any other activity that we as believers do works selfishness and greed out of our hearts and lives. See, it's not that the church does not have money. The church has money. I'm talking about church people. But I was reading some statistics the other day, and it talked about the number of people, just tithing. The number of people that tithe. 
And, and it gave that in a certain year, the income in America, among Christians now, wasn't, wasn't including the total income, but the income in America, and how they do these surveys, I don't know, but this is, this is what came down, was trillions of dollars of income in just the Christians. But the money that was given into the church, which represents giving to God, was less than $2 billion. Now, we, well, let's think about it for a minute. Somewhere, somebody's heart's not in line like it needs to be. If we don't watch ourselves, there gets to be an element of selfishness and greed involved, and especially when it comes to giving and giving to God. You say, well, if I could write a check to God, that'd be one thing. Well, it would be. But do you know that every time you, God established, and we'll, we'll see this, God established the, temp, the, the temple, the tabernacle to begin with, then the temple, then the synagogues later on, and now then what we call the churches, that God established these as places for us to bring our offerings and our giving into as representing giving it to the Lord. That's the reason I say so many times the Scripture in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, to honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruit of all of your increase. When we give, when I gave this morning in this offering, I didn't give it to honor Victory Fellowship. I gave it to honor the Lord. Men, men Loretta, she can tell you, we joined hands over that offering this morning, and we prayed before, we, before I left the house, and we said, Lord, we honor you with our giving. And that's the whole crux of it. You say, oh, you're just giving so you can just get something big. No, I'm giving because it's a way of life that we've developed. And see, we don't just, and it's not just money we give. But, but I want to give love. What good does it do you to give money if you don't have any love, right? Paul said, though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor and even give my body to be burned at the stake, if I don't have love, what has it done for me? So we give. We give in love. We give love. We give in love. We give to help other people. But the problem comes back to having a selfish heart and a greedy heart. I asked my money. I worked hard for it. But now, you, let's, let's go back. Let's think about it. Now, I know I talk a lot about money, but we relate it to everything. Let's, let's go back and look at something just a minute. Where'd your help come from to be able to go to that job? Who made it possible for you to have that job? I mean, just, just think about it. Well, I got out and I scrounged that job up on my own. Well, See, there's our problem then to being selfish. If we could realize that everything on this earth, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And you know, I was thinking about this the other day. He don't only own the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills that they're on. The grass they're eating. And like one old black preacher said, he owns the taters under the hill. So, so everything's the Lord. But God has let us be stewards over his possession. And then he said to us, all I want you to do, and here's, he said, here's your starting point in being stewards is give 10% back and then use the other in a godly manner. Now, I want us to look at this thing. We want to deal with this thing about a selfish heart, a greedy heart. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy chapter 15, you say, oh, that's Old Testament. Well, it's Bible, and we can draw parallels from it. What did Paul tell the people in Corinth in chapter 10? He said these things happen for an example. Well, the only way you know the example is to look what happened, right? 
And, and we can't take it and tear it out. But we can draw parallels from it because God, folks, God wants us to see these things. So we're going to deal here for a few minutes. We're going to talk about the selfishness and greediness that possesses people, even Christian people. Now listen to what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 15, beginning in verse 7. If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thy heart, nor shut thy hand from thy poor. Hardened heart. A hardened heart and a selfish heart is a lot the same. But thou shalt open thine hand wide unto them, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. See, God, I want you to notice he said, that which God has blessed you with, that which God has given you, in verse 7, the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, everything we have God hath given thee. I know we work. Sometimes people work hard hours, long hours, ungodly hours, under all kind of pressure. But it's God that gives us the increase. Y'all are not shouting from real big, are you? But he said here, don't have a selfish heart. Don't harden your heart. If somebody has a need, then, then we're, we as God's people ought to be trying to help meet that need. I, I got whipped over this this week, y'all. Can I, can I be honest with you? I got whipped over this this week. Sometimes, sometimes the same people coming around, $20, all the time, it just gets to wearing on you. $20 for this, $30 for that, 20, 10 for this. On and on and on it goes. And uh, we had somebody call this week and wanted money, and I told them no. But they called back and got Loretta, and she told them yes. And I'm sitting back here after she told me that, and I thought, well, God, these people... And God showed me, He reminded me of this scripture. Well, don't that, not talking about Christians? Well, who's to say whether the person's a Christian or not? That's, that's between them and God, right? But I sat there and I had to repent because I saw my heart getting hardened and selfish. Well, bless God, I work for mine, they ought to work for theirs too. That's the truth, they ought to. But folks, we can't let that govern whether our heart is hardened towards people or not, because who knows that that time that we give them that, show them God's love, that might be the very turning point in their life. You say, well, man, they've had a lot of turning points. Well, how many turning points did we have before we came to Jesus? Let's think about that. So he said here, if you see somebody and they come to you and just want you to loan them money, give it to them. Let them have it. Because understand, you're in a land that God has given you. Yeah, I got whipped up pretty good about this. And so, now, does that mean, well, Pastor, everybody come along with a handout we're supposed to put into it? I think that God wants us to use some discretion. But when we use that discretion, it should not come from a hardened, selfish heart. Okay? There's times that, that somebody needs to be told no. And then why? We told them no. Why that we're not doing this? Why? Because uh, that, that, people need to understand that they don't need to be wards of the state 
are wards of the church and constantly, constantly never improving their life or anything. But until they get to that point, it's up to you and me to love them and care for them and to help them in situations. And if it means sometime saying no, then let's be able to say that no in love and then show them why to do it. Then another thing, he talked about a grieving heart. Verse 9 of chapter 15, Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart or that the seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him naught, and he cry uh, unto thee against thee. It is sin unto thee. Verse 10, Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved. You hear that? When thou givest unto him, because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works and all that thou puttest thine hand unto. Have you ever have you ever given and then something happened and the devil come along and says, See if you haven't been given that, then then you'll have money to take care of that with. Have you ever had that t- I have. I, I'll tell you this this much. I sat there this morning right to write out our giving check. And an amount come in my head, and I believe it was the Lord said to do that. I really do, because the devil don't tell you to give more than what you normally do. Y'all know that, don't you? God invented giving. The devil invented taking. I was about to write it out, and the devil said, you can't give that much money. God's never told me I couldn't give that much money. Never have. I remember several years ago, I was, this is about 2001, 2002, and I was, was working our church down, finances down, and I was working part-time helping a fellow remodel homes, a fellow down in Vinemont, we, and I was working. And, and, of course, I didn't get to work full-time because he didn't need me full-time. So the check he gave me on that Friday evening, I didn't cash it. I just brought it home, and I looked at it. And I looked at this check, and I looked at these needs over here, So the only thing I did on Sunday morning, I just signed that check and put it in the offering plate. The whole thing. Just put it in the offering plate. And I said, God, I'm going to do this. Man, it wasn't, I mean, church was not over with good until the devil jumped right at me. You're going to lose everything you got. Because you gave that money away, you're going to lose it all, and you're not going to have anything. Well, that night I was to preach at Arab uh, for Brother Tim Parrish. He was pastoring at that time. And, and I went over there, never said nothing to anybody. I didn't because I, I just, I don't do that. And I just went, and I didn't even know if it was going to receive an offer or not. I didn't even go for an offer. But after we got through preaching, I mean, the Lord moved, had a good service, and Brother Tim got up and he said, I think we need to take just a real special love offering for Brother Carol. The Lord's impressed on me that he, that he wants to bless him. Now, I'll tell you, that little check that I signed and put in the offering was $127. Okay? They received an offering over there for me that night. It's over $1,300. You say, but now, Pastor, I'm not a preacher. I ain't got no church to go to to preach and see things like that. Listen, God said, listen, in, in Luke 6, 38, He said men would do it. There's ways. There's ways for it to come. Ways for it to take place. I, I just, Mark's not here, so maybe he won't get mad at me for saying this. He called me the other day. He had his taxes filled out. Oh, man, he was about up to here mad. 
going to have to pay another sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars in taxes. I mean, he just was fuming. And he said, I had to apologize to the fellow that fixed my taxes because I got so irate when he called me and told me what it was. <laughs> then he called me yesterday and he said, I got to take my back taxes back by the tax preparer guy. I said, what for? He said, we made a mistake. I said, oh, is that good? He said, yeah, because I'm getting over $400 back now. Now, what I'm saying is this. There's ways. God has got ways and means, folks. And we don't need to question how God's going to do it. We just need to get past that grieving heart of when we do it. See, let me tell you, a selfish heart beforehand, a grieving heart afterhand. After we give. Am I grieved about what we gave an offering this morning? Not one bit. Not, why? Because I, I want to walk in the favor of God. The blessing of God. I want to be obedient to Him in every way that I possibly can. And giving is part of that obedience. Somebody say amen to make me feel better. See, when we grieve, here's the thing about When we grieve after we give, it's because we thought it was ours to begin with. Mine. Mine. That's mine. That's my house. That's my, what, what if, I want to ask you a question. What would you, what would you do today? How would you react? If in your quiet time tomorrow, you're before God, you're praying, and God said to you, I want you to give your automobile away. I mean, most of us would say, that's got to be the devil. I rebuke that because I know God don't want me walking. But we know it's God. What would it do to to so many of us? Us. It would grieve us. Let's be honest about it. Now, I'm not saying that God's, because I'm preaching this, God's going to tell you to give an automobile away. Okay? I'm not saying that uh, at all. That's not what I'm getting at. But what I'm saying is this. We get too attached to earthly stuff. To where if God did say something like that, we're not able to do it because we're heart, it grieves us to think about that kind of thing. And so I, I hear people say, man, if, 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 I had, if I had a million dollars today, if, I, if, if God just gave me a million dollars today, I wouldn't have any problem giving a hundred thousand of it. That'd be a tenth of it. But somehow or another, we have a problem of giving him ten whenever he gives us a hundred. Moving right along. <laughs> then we need to here, here's something else we do we need to develop a generous heart so we talked about being sure we don't have a, 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 a selfish heart being sure that we don't have a, a grieving heart so at the same time we need to develop a generous heart if I were to ask you this morning how many of you feel like that you're generous you don't have to raise your hand but how many of you feel like you're generous well I did tootle this week. I thought I was pretty generous about some things. And I'm real generous about my compliments to people. I mean, I compliment everybody. I do. And I get complimented a lot. I mean, things like, you know, you have a nice church, you have a pretty wife, you have a great... But, you know, get those kind of compliments. I'm fishing for those like, you know, you look good today, Pastor. That's a good message. I I, I really enjoyed that message. I look, you know... (laughs) 
<laughs> I turned red, didn't I? <laughs> We're born selfish. You do not have to teach a little child how to be selfish. Little fellow out playing. Here come a neighbor child over, and and the neighbor child run over and pick up a toy, and that, he'll throw his down over his nice playing with that. Or he's got something, or she's got something, and here come brother, sister, pick it up. That's mine. That's mine. I mean, it's way over yonder. I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about it in three days. That's mine. We get that way a whole lot. You know, God wants us to grow up. He wants us to be a generous kind of people. Why? Because generosity releases generosity to come back to us. See, if you look in Luke chapter uh, 6, verse 30, back up a few verses before this, he had something to say about that. He said uh, in Luke 6, 30, I didn't put that down, did I, Bo? There it is. You got it, though. Give to every man that asketh of thee. See, he's talking about what Jesus is trying to say. Develop generosity in your life. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. In other words, when somebody comes, they got a need, regardless, give it to them. If somebody comes along and says, hey, look, I, I need this, we've got to come to the point of being generous enough to give to them, especially in, in the church, in the body of Christ, our fellow Christian people. On over, and, and if you... The Scripture we talked about in Galatians 6 on down below that, it says, as often as you have opportunity, do good to every man, especially those that are the household of faith. So we need to develop a, a generous heart. In, in uh, Deuteronomy 15, verse 14, he said, Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock, and out of thy floor, and out of thy winepress, of that wherewith the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, thou shalt give it him. This is talking about somebody that don't have, or in this particular situation, it was a slave. He'd come down to the seventh year, all debts is canceled, and he could go free. But he said, when he goes free, you be generous to that man. You be generous to that person. Generous. Generosity in giving out. You know, I, 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 this week I was praying, Lord... I want to become that generous person. But I want you to show me where I need to place that generosity. And he said, well, to begin with, anybody to ask you. And whenever you do that to, the, to your ability, then I'll begin to show you people that don't ask. It's okay, Lord. And uh, I, I have to admit, I've failed in that. Can you imagine what it would be like if the church got generous as under the leadership of the Lord instead of being a selfish church? Can you see the people it would bring to Jesus? How that people would come to Him because of the generosity of Christian people. See, that was one thing that helped the church grow in the first century was they got to where they wasn't selfish. And if you look at the case of Ananias and Sapphire, those that were selfish got killed. Now, I'm not, don't, not, God's not going to kill anybody today. Don't get me wrong, okay? <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> you know, thank God we're past that, that point. But think about it. Being generous. If, if, and the reason I can be generous 
and start being generous is because it don't belong to me anyway. God's made me steward over it, over what comes to me, over my house, my family, my possessions. And I say mine, the things that I have. He has made me steward over those things. And when I realize that, then I can be as generous as Him. And then, then the last thing, we've got to have a grateful heart. We sang several songs this morning talking about what the Lord's done for us. Brother Rusty testified what the Lord had done for him. In verse 15, Deuteronomy 15, he said, And thou shalt remember, thou was a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee, Therefore, I command thee this day to do this thing. We just sometimes need to be reminded of where we were. You know one thing that causes me to want to give, and one thing I, I say this too, I'm so, so blessed with the wife that I have. Would you stand here? Tuesday will be 48 years that God has let me have her. And, and I thank God for that. But I... Many times I've come to her and I said, we need to give this. And she's good. Give it. Give it. Give it. And the reason that we want to do that, thank you, sweetheart. The reason we do that is because we remember back. I do. Before April the 2nd, 1969, when I was broken depressed, rejected, dejected, beat up by the devil, and surely on my way to hell. And I felt like, as I look back now, it seemed like I had one foot in the grave and another on the banana peel. You've heard that I was saying, haven't you? I was going to hell as fast as I could go, as hard as I could go. But then that morning, Lord came to me and saved me and redeemed me from the hand of the enemy. Look with me in closing in Exodus chapter 13. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 11. We'll talk about this more, but this is God introducing what He calls the law of the firstborn. God has first. He has firstborn, first fruit, tithes, which is the first tenth. But I want you to listen to what He said here. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, as he swear unto thee to thy fathers, and shall give it thee, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix, and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast, the male shall be the Lord's. And every firstling of a donkey shall thou redeem with a lamb, and if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck, and all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. Law of redemption. The firstborn. And it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this that thou shalt say unto him? By strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of bondage. And it shall come to pass, when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, but the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast, which I therefore I sacrificed to the Lord, all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. What do we see here? He said that you do this, and you do it. 
And you teach your children to do it. And one day that son's going to say, Daddy, why do we do this? And he said, you take him, you set him on your knee, and you tell him, Son, our people, myself, we were slaves down in Egypt. Under bondage. Starved, beat, sick, broke. Didn't have enough. But God brought us out. He said, now take the lamb and redeem the firstborn of every, every one. He said, son, that's the reason we do this. Because we've been redeemed. Can I tell you, if you don't have any other reason, and this ought to be your first reason, to give and be a giver and have a generous, grateful heart, is because you were on your way to hell. Nothing you could do about it. Regardless of how hard you tried to run the other way, you could not get away from the gates of hell that was swinging after you. As a matter of fact, most of us was running toward them and doing all we could to get there. But I want you to know, folks, the God that invented giving loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son that if I would believe in Him, I would not perish, but have everlasting life. You ask me why I give. You ask me why I want to be generous. You ask me why I want to do this thing. Because of what He's done for me. I'm not trying to pay Him back with my giving. No way. What can you give for a life? But I'm doing this because I love Him. Because He first loved me. I want to challenge you this morning. What's your purpose for giving? If you don't give, you need to think about that, what He's done for you. If you're not involved in tithes and offerings, you need to realize that we're going to talk about tithes and offerings next Sunday and see where that, that it's just as much a biblical principle for us today as it was back when Abraham started it with Melchizedek. Jacob continued it. And Jesus didn't destroy it. When He came and the law that he done away with was the washings, the cleansings, the sacrifices, the ceremonies, the circumcision of the flesh, those kind of things he done away with. But the other aspects of it, folks, God said this is good and we're going to continue doing it. But is Jesus Lord of your life this morning? Has he redeemed you? And you know for sure that heaven's your home. Father,